G'day, I'm Sean and welcome to the Car Expert Podcast. I've got a big show for you today. We're going to be talking about Cadillac. Are they coming to Australia? It's looking kind of likely. We've got VFAX, they've just dropped, so we're going to be talking about what's hot, what's not. And we're going to be talking about the brand new Nissan Patrol Warrior. It's finally here. We've been talking about it for what feels like a decade, but they've finally brought it out. And to help me get through all of that, we've got Jade Credentino. Jade, how are you doing? Hello, good to be back. Looking very, very uh, colourful in pink, unlike yeah, the rest of us. Yeah, it's pretty in pink. Yeah. Well, that was a little bit too much, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to bring us back down to a more monotone level, we've got uh, Scott Collie over here as well. How are you, Scott? I'm good. I've taken inspiration from the BMW colour palette yeah. today. Ah, <laughs> it's oh, yes. It's the German edition. The German here. rainbow, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, uh, we'll get straight into it. Um, uh, America's answer to BMW is Cadillac to a degree, basically, if you don't know what Cadillac is. They're uh, Chevys with very nice leather. <laughs> Already um, Americans are crying. <laughs> yeah, someone's upset. Um, uh, generally, if you're over the age of 65, you've bought a Cadillac, but they're actually trying to change that image and they're moving heavily into the EV space in the States. And they've recently trademarked a couple of names in Australia. Now, Holden fans get excited. The Statesman's coming back. Nope. No, it's not. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, the first week of all time, Sean, yeah. you cannot say that to <laughs> Holden fans. <laughs> nothing doing there, but they have filed trademarks for three uh, Cadillac names, and I'm going to read them because I will get them wrong. The Lyric, the Optic, both of those are spelled with a Q, but not what you'd expect, uh, and the, the Escalade IQ. Now that, that was the simplest of the last. <laughs> uh, the Escalade might sound more familiar. It's uh, basically a big SUV, Chevy Tahoe with, um, again, nicer leather. It's the Kardashian spec Cadillac. Exactly. Yes. Out four -wheel drive. yes, if you've ever been picked up in Vegas from a hotel and taken to a shady club, that's probably what you went in. In the boot of a car, but that was different. That was, that's a Cadillac as well, but that's <laughs> a slightly different Cadillac. So Scott, tell us a little bit about what's actually going on here. So what we've seen is a report from a website called GM Authority in the States, and they're quoting insiders in the General Motors world that say that Caddy is coming to Australia and they're going to actually make a bit more of a push than we've seen so far since Holden left. What GM's done so far is offer the Camaro briefly, the Corvette in very limited numbers, and then the Silverado pickup truck. And they're all sold through GM SV dealers that used to be HSV dealers. We should be very clear that that's not General Motors as such. They're a third party. It's a distributor essentially. General Motors. Yeah. yeah. So General Motors has an office out here. They're distributed through dealers that used to distribute Holden special vehicles. It's all a little bit complex. Based on what GM Authority is saying, Cadillac wants to come to Australia on a slightly bigger scale and do electric cars to take on BMW, Mercedes, Audi, that sort of thing. This isn't the first time we've heard this though. Uh, Cadillac actually got very, very close to selling cars in Australia just before the GFC hit in 2008. Got to the point where media invites had been mailed out to the big magazines and newspapers at the time. Apparently 60 cars actually made it to Australia before the GFC absolutely obliterated GM and those cars went to New Zealand where Cadillac was sold kind of briefly. So Caddy's had a crack here before. This time it does seem like the timing might be a bit better. Well, it's interesting you say that because up until as recently as 2018, um, the guys at Lang Lang Holden Proving Ground were actually testing and developing Cadillacs here uh, for the American market, but because Lang Lang was uh, world-class GM proving ground. They actually were shipping them down here in left-hand drive and testing them. And if you ever drove around there, you'd often see left-hand drive 
um, CTS is getting around on the road. Yeah, but. they have a really incredible emissions lab there yeah. that a big chunk of which was set up to do Cadillac stuff, I understand. Yeah, so um, we, we nearly got them a few times. Uh, it was probably not what a lot of punters were hoping to get in their Cadillac, which is a big, lazy V8. But Jade, tell us a little bit about what the models that uh, Cadillac have trademarked here. Yeah, so you've got the Lyric, Optic and Escalade. Now, the Lyric is the only one that Cadillac currently has on sale in America. They have revealed the Optic and about to release the Cadillac. So The Escalade. Escalade. There's a lot of names and a lot of cues with all these electric cars, aren't there? They just seem to get all mixed up into one. So based on size-wise, the Lyric can be similar size, well, is similar sizing to an X5. The Optic is similar sizing to a Tesla Model Y. And the Escalade is just... It's like a small planet huge. on wheels, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's basically a Hummer EV with nicer leather is what you're saying. Yeah, I probably even say it's, that. It's a similar size to like a full-size Chevy Silverado or Ram 1500 pickup truck because that's what it's based that's, on. That's what you need in your electric SUV, basically. Oh, look, so. in my inner-city apartment, I can think of nothing better than trying to park <laughs> a 5.7-metre... <laughs> Like, so I'm assuming that's the tonnage as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it is fun to make fun of American cars, but can I just say, these cars do look fantastic. They Cadillac's on yeah. a really, really sort of strong roll with its styling at the moment, and especially the Optic and the Lyric, which are kind of more bespoke than the Escalade. That's got a petrol version as well. Yeah. They really do look quite compelling. And I'm sorry, I cut you off there on price, no, no, but no. it seems like it's priced pretty well in the States. Yeah, so in the States, the Lyric starts from 58590 US dollars. So on a rough conversion to Australian dollars, it's, it's around 93000 Now that's for the entry level. What do you guys think about that? I think if it's the same sort of size as a BMW X5, that's pretty good value. I don't know what exactly the specs are, and they'll be different if the car comes to Australia anyway, so it's not worth diving into it too far. But, but it probably, I mean, based on what we've seen with American cars recently, you're probably looking at 140, 150 grand easily. Yeah, Maybe with less with some incentives if they're... I was also going to say, I mean, it depends on whether the car's being manufactured in right-hand drive or converted to right-hand drive. This report that we read suggested the car was going to be manufactured from the start in right-hand drive and not just for Australia, which means Japan, the UK could get it as well. That means higher volumes and theoretically lower cost. So the idea that Sean's got, I, I don't think is wrong if Caddy's taking these things apart and putting them back together just for us and our volumes, mm -hmm. but... If Cadillac can actually commit to building enough of these for the UK, for us, for Japan, there is a chance that it comes in, it'll still cost more than the States, but maybe around the $120,000, $130,000 mark. And if it can do that, it undercuts a Merc EQE, a BMW iX, and it offers something different. I can see the appeal. Yeah, I agree. So I'm curious, guys, uh, what American cars would you like to see come to Australia in this, I guess, in this vein of EVs that we don't currently have here that America does? Um, for me, there's three. Uh, Rivian, I really love the look of the Rivian Utes. And I know we've talked to them before about the idea of it. They've said they want to expand. So hopefully soon, once their manufacturing's up and yeah, running. That's the problem. They can't deliver their cars. <laughs> yeah. yet, so. They're going through the same thing. Tesla did a little while ago. Lucid cars look fantastic. I've also written on my page Shelby GT 350R, which is not electric and not on sale anymore in America, but I really want one. I fly plate crank, man. Come on. Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. What about you, Jade? Well, we actually had this question a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Um, still keeping Lucid on my list, but yeah, adding Rivian, but they're SUV. So uh, the R1 R1S. S. Yeah. Yes. I think it looks really cool. I've seen quite a lot of off-road reviews in America and it looks pretty sick, so... Very cool. All right, um, well, uh, guys, if you haven't already gotten your tickets to Jade's 
event. This is your last uh, the car expert open day to use the official title. Run by Jade. Uh, This is your last chance. So Jade, just fill everybody in. What's the latest update? Uh, It's happening this weekend so yeah. what's what's the latest news yeah so um official countdown is on we're less than a week to go tickets are free it is held down here at the melbourne district dockland shopping center i will get sean to put the link in the description now we're going to be dropping some exciting details throughout the week and some little eggs that you guys will be able to enjoy on the day so make sure you're staying tuned to all of our social platforms you can find them at carexpert.com.au any updates to cars? Any any changes? Stay tuned. We've got a couple of things that are very exciting that are coming, but I can't mention them just yet. So she's really good at the cliffhanger. Yeah, apparently. The, the stay tuned. The, yeah. I want to know. If you're working for neighbours in, in your <laughs> office or something. Jeez. All right. Well, we'll move on. Uh, VFAX. It's that time of the month again. VFAX are here. And we are edging closer than probably we've ever been at this time of year before to a magic million uh, sales. Year to date, 899,286 cars delivered in Australia. And to clarify, VFAX are based on cars delivered, not cars sold. So let's, it's very important, that distinction. Uh, 110,700 cars delivered in September, which is... A crazy number. We're coming off back-to-back record months now as supply gets better. 110 is a, is a massive month for September. Mm. Especially, well, I mean, a lot of that is uh, helped by the fact that um, a lot of the delays in Europe have, slow, have eased up. Ford have their own 40 McFord face boat to bring <laughs> cars in. Like All these things that were holding us up for so many years are just suddenly disappearing before our eyes, and these cars are appearing en masse. It doesn't mean necessarily that those cars were sold in September either. And it's really interesting you mentioned the distinction between sales and deliveries. There have been a lot of brands like Toyota, we know Isuzu for quite a while, Ford to a lesser extent with Ranger and Everest, have had really long waiting lists for their cars. The cars arriving in September might have been sold in February or March for all, all we last know. year. Exactly. Like, yeah. so, Just to go a little bit off topic, when do you guys think that that's going to kind of naturally like, even itself out? Look, based on Probably what never. Yeah, well, <laughs> you say that, but based on what we're hearing from dealers, times are kind of tough for people at the moment. Interest rates keep rising. Everything is getting more expensive. All of a sudden, orders are starting to slow down for a couple of the, couple of the big brands. Dealers are starting to have stock, which is a good thing if you do want to negotiate on a new car. But it wouldn't surprise me if into next year we do start to see things slow down as the historical demand is finally delivered and we start looking at data from people who are trying to buy cars on a much more limited budget. Mm. Interesting. So the big, uh, unsurprisingly, the the heavy hitters are still there. Hilux top the charts, Ranger second. Um, The interesting thing is Model Y is still hovering around in third there, and I find that really fascinating. Like, I mean, they only have one car. It's not like uh, uh, where they've got all these um, incentives like you can get with a Ranger or a Hilux and heaps of different variants. It is just... Yeah, the Tesla will sell you a Model 3 sedan yeah. or a Model Y SUV, yeah. and you can choose a color on the Model Y and whether you want long range or performance. Yeah. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's amazing. It's truly impressive and a testament to the fact that they can actually get cars here because there are no other EVs in the top, as far as like the top 20. The Model 3, I think, just sneaks in, but again, just, same so factory, same company. No, None of the other manufacturers are, are delivering enough cars per month. So um, big ups to Tesla there for that. D-Max fourth uh, and RAV4 fifth. So not a hugely surprising top five, I guess. Uh, one thing I did notice, and this is a very niche end of the scale, um, Ram delivered around 500 vehicles this month, and two or three months ago we were talking about they were doing over 1,000 a month. Now, do you think the lack of instant asset write-off uh, 
it's not there anymore. Do you think that's caused a big uh, downturn in RAM sales? I don't have a great answer for you. Um, I think it's worth considering the fact these numbers can be quite cyclical. So the big last couple of months is obviously based on the fact that a big boat of RAMs came to be converted recently. I think we need to wait to see the next couple of months worth of sales before we can actually comment on whether it's a trend or whether the boat just got stuck off the port and they couldn't all be converted in time. Maybe the people converted them had to focus on converting other vehicles. We don't know at this stage. But I do think that if you look at the price of petrol, the fact the instant asset write-off has been cut from 150 grand back to its previous level, and again, the rising cost of living, it's no great surprise that maybe $100,000 or $120,000 American pickup truck slow down a little bit because people have less cash to spend on that sort of thing. Do you think if you're in the Ford marketing department, you're a little nervous right now about your F-150? I don't think so. I mean, Ford has been fairly conservative with what it's said about the F-150 so far, and that's how Ford communicates the company. I know you've interviewed people from Ford as well, Jade, and they play a very straight bat. Yeah. Um, but because Ford does kind of have a lot of say in the joint venture with RMA, which is remanufacturing it, but also has a direct line to the factory, I'd imagine they can turn that project up and down as required. And there's plenty of people out there who only want an F-150, they don't want yes, anything else. that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, well said. So any, any surprises in there that you guys noticed? Anything that jumped out to you? Um, I think Land Cruiser Wagon is slowly making its way back up there. Um, well, again, talking about deliveries easing. Yeah, yeah deliveries easing. Um, it did surprise me that the Corolla is that high up. I mean, I, I don't So where did tabs. it finish, the Corolla, sorry? Uh, the, the Corolla finished at 8th. Uh, and sold, uh, sorry, delivered 2,217 Corollas in one month, which, yeah, I, maybe I need to pay attention and see more on the roads. But yeah, I was pretty surprised by that. So this is one of the highest selling cars of all time. But it is also a passenger car. And if you look at the rest of this list, as Jade has, the top two, well, three of the top four cars are Utes. Yeah. The, the other two in the top five are SUVs. And then the top 10, I know I'm sort of bouncing around here, but the Corolla is the only passenger car there. And you got the i30 in 15th, which is quite a far way the down. MG3 and and the MG3 in 17th. Yeah, the Model 3 in 20th. So yeah. although it's not hitting the sales heights it used to, and it, it's traditionally been a really strong seller, for the Corolla to be that high up the list as a car instead of an SUV is, is quite interesting. So I think the answer's clear. Aussies love utes. That's not changing anytime soon. Um, and if you're looking for a ute and you don't want to wait, we have a fantastic service that can connect you to a dealer right now and get you into your new ute or Model Y or... Toyota uh, Corolla. Or Toyota Corolla <laughs> sooner than, than maybe uh, if you went to a dealer yourself. It's called Help Me Car Expert. It's very simple. You just head to Google, type in Help Me Car Expert. It'll take you to a pic uh, page with a bunch of pictures of Paul. He'll help you find the next car. Uh, a great deal and connect you to a dealer so you can get in your new car sooner rather than later. Uh, and speaking of new cars that you might want to get into, Scott recently drove one, one that I'm quite excited about. I'm I think, Jay, you're pretty too. excited too. You've I'm been talking about excited. this heaps. Uh, the Nissan Patrol Warrior. Now, uh, this has been made by a company called Premcar. Premcar were a bunch of Australian engineers that worked in Ford and Holden and a few other uh, areas like that that made a car a couple of years ago called the Holy Grail. It was basically like the most powerful Ford Falcon ever it made. It was the dream FPV Falcon, essentially. Yes, that never got made. And basically, if you had an XR8 Falcon, you could take it to them, give them a bunch of money, and they would make it Deadly. Holy Grail. Holy Grail, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you'd be, sooner to, you'd be seeing Jesus sooner rather than later with that one. Uh, <laughs> they then got handed the keys to Nissan Navara and told to turn it into what they called the Warrior, which had a whole bunch of uh, lift and suspension and off-road and house. And now they've been given the patrol, uh, which means that 
the Patrol, which is the second oldest car in the world, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, uh, is uh, finally getting an update it kind of needs. So tell us a bit about it, Scott. So yeah, Premcar's a really interesting story. They are Aussie engineers and they do this in conjunction with Nissan. The cars come from the Nissan factory in Japan and they go down a production line in Epping in Victoria and they get some bits taken off them by Premcar and then obviously they install it to a factory standard and warranty it for five years. So if you patrol or Navara Warriors, something goes wrong with the Premcar bits, you go through your Nissan dealer and it actually is all covered by Premcar as well. Um, the Patrol Warrior is Probably the Warrior we've been waiting for. Although the Navara Warrior is very capable off-road, and we saw that in our mega tests, it's a little bit gutless. Uh, that 2.3-litre twin-turbo diesel engine is not that flashy. Well, they didn't touch the engine to be very right, clear. Right, because it's yeah. very complicated to get a car certified for emissions. So they've left that alone. It's also, I mean, alongside a Ford Ranger Raptor or even a Toyota Hilux GR Sport, it's just not quite as exciting. But the Patrol, as we know, is a V8 and it's a big family off-roader and it just really lends itself to, to what Premcar is doing. Um, the highlights are, are all under the skin. So you get a side exit exhaust to get more noise from the V8 and it sounds fantastic. It sounds so good. Um, you get a new suspension system that has been reworked by Premcar and it's all engineered in Australia. And you also get more body protection, some more warrior bits inside. Essentially, it turns it from a very comfy, cruisy, capable off-roader to a slightly sharper to drive, slightly more capable off-roader that, I don't know about you guys, but I think looks really good. Mm, yeah, I quite enjoy it. I think it'll be really interesting to see if potential people who have orders on the Patrol will change them over to a Warrior. I know that when I used to sell cars, a lot of people bought a Patrol just before they were going and doing the lap around Australia. So it'd be really interesting to see how many people start adopting the Warrior. Um, I followed the story, um, the whole, I guess, Patrol Warrior development quite closely and it was really cool to see everything. So if you guys want to check that out, again, it's on the Car Expert website, but it's really cool to see what Prem Car has done with it and I'm very excited to get behind the wheel. Next week, it will be at the event. So There we go. Tickets there. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, do we have a price on the Patrol Warrior yet? Yeah, so it's just over $101,000 in Australia, which sounds like a lot for a car that is... pretty fairly priced. Yeah. You could still do five trips around Australia over buying a 300 series <laughs> with that, as we learned. That's exactly it. So what the Patrol has going for it is it is incredibly capable. Uh, it's about $40,000 cheaper than a Toyota Land Cruiser 300 GR Sport but it is incredibly capable off-road. It's got more than 300 mils of ground clearance. It's got a lot of underbody protection between a 29 mil suspension lift and a 21 mil lift through the wheel and tire package. It's very got a lot of clearance you know, to, to get you all sorts of rough places. And Nissan actually let us take it off-road properly. Often on these car launches, they're really carefully stage managed. You'll be driving a Ranger Raptor or something and they'll go, well, here's a very gnarly gravel road to drive down. And then there's people watching to make sure you don't disappear off into the bushes. Yeah, right. Nissan took us to Tasmania and took us down a track called... God's Rally Track. God's <laughs> Rally Track, exactly. Uh, and took us down a track called Climies. And it was this really rugged, rocky, challenging track that there were bits where you needed someone directing you because if you dropped a wheel, you were in all sorts of trouble. Yeah. And it absolutely floated through there. There were some scrapes down the side because it's a big car and there's some narrow bits. Mm but on really awkward, low-speed, rock-crawling sort of bits and pieces. It's got awesome clearance. That bash plate did come in handy. I think the other thing, though, is it's really nice and natural to drive off-road. That V8's super linear, so at low speeds in low range, you can just get the right amount of power. Mm. Um, my only real complaint about the car in general is that it's still a million years old inside. I know you've sat in one, Jade. It doesn't have CarPlay, it doesn't have Android Auto, it doesn't have anywhere to put your phone. 
It's a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, so one thing I do want to nitpick, and this is something you told us about when you came back in the office, the exhaust system sounds like the world's most complicated <laughs> exhaust system. So uh, it has side pipes, which is awesome, and all cool cars should have side sure, pipes like yep. a G-Wagon. But the exhaust still also comes out the back, it, just to be yeah. very confusing. Can you explain that in the simplest possible terms? Yeah, it's a Ferrari F40. It's got three exhaust outlets, right. is basically it. Oh, that explains that. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, it's a, a flap system. Um, and when you're driving on light throttle or you're just cruising, the exhaust is routed through the standard rear exit. So you don't get all that much noise in the cabin. It's very refined, which in a car that people buy to do a lap of Australia, mm is obviously a good thing, because you don't want it droning away. But when you put your foot down a bit harder, or when you flick into manual mode, mm -hmm. it reroutes through the side exhaust, and you get this awesome, it's like a NASCAR-y sort of burble from it. It's still not super loud. It's not gonna you know, wake the kids up when you put your foot down, but it does definitely give you a little bit more emotion from the car. And chatting to the guys from Prem Car, obviously they're proud of what they've put together, because they've put it together. But the level of engineering that does go into making something like that work, making it pass drive-by regulations, and making it fit to sell through a Nissan dealership is not small. So although it's not quite as elegant as one set of side pipes that are just loud all the time, I think it's a really clever solution to a problem that, to be honest, we're running into more and more, and that is that cars don't sound great. I mean, a, a Land Cruiser 300 is a V6 diesel, and it's very capable, but there's no real emotion from it. So if you want a bit of emotion, this is a good way to go about it. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the only NA, or naturally aspirated V8 sort of off-roader you can buy these days, isn't it? It depends on how you class the American pickups. Well, let's, okay, let's exclude the, you know, <laughs> let's talk about like traditional sort of four-wheel drive SUVs, Land Cruisers, that sort of, it, like the Defenders supercharged, um, the Mercedes real turbocharged, yep. like there is, this is the only thing that you can get that has a proper old-fashioned, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essentially the engine they use in the V8 supercar as well. Yep. They, um, stroked it back to five liter for that. But I mean, when you hear one of these with a decent exhaust on it, they already sounded fantastic. So um, I look props to them for actually making it sound good because as a standard car, it doesn't sound doesn't really do much. But yeah, I think good on, to them, good on them for doing that, even if it is a little bit complicated. Question is, 100 grand, would you have the Warrior or would you go a uh, Land Cruiser Jade? We'll go to you first. Um, I am very proficient in my Land Cruiser 300 knowledge now after writing the price and spec article recently. <laughs> I would go a Warrior, yeah. So Jade, what is it about the Warrior that makes you want to do it? Is it the V8, is it the looks? I think it's just the capability. Like if I, in the back of my mind, I have this idea that one day I'm gonna do Australia and I know that that car is probably gonna last me until I finally make that decision to go, so I don't need to upgrade. <laughs> but wouldn't have updated the infotainment system by I then I was gonna either. say, the infotainment <laughs> system would need to be an aftermarket accessory. Um, but I think it's just something that Australia needs, not, not needs, but it's something that cars keep getting more and more and more expensive and so does the cost of living. And it seems to be, well, if you want a beefy Land Cruiser, you just, that's the price that you have to pay. So I think Prem Car has done a really good job to keep this car at a price bracket where, yeah, it might be out of reach for some people, but some people can make compromises where a Land Cruiser would have been completely yeah, out of the question. miles beyond again. Yeah. So what about you? I, I think I'd go the Warrior as well. Um, I, I like the new Land Cruiser. I've enjoyed driving it every time I have, but for all of its newness, yeah. it still feels kind of old inside. It's still to drive on the road, I don't think sort of moves the game on the way I hoped it would. 
Whereas the Warrior with its new suspension feels a bit more tied down than the standard car. It's very capable off-road and I'm a little bit like Sean on this, but I just love the sound of a V8. And if I'm spending a hundred grand on what is ultimately an enthusiast car, because you're buying this for purposes that aren't just practical, I want it to make me feel something. Fair sure. enough. Uh, but warrior <laughs> <I'm thinking laughs> uh, or yeah you can't even buy two a used 200 series for the, that price uh if you wanted a land cruiser you'd still be waiting months for it whereas you'd probably walk into a nissan dealership and get this tomorrow so yeah so nissan told us actually there's a little bit of a wait but not a significant one depending on the dealer and the color and that sort of thing you'll be able to get one of these pretty quickly so by the time you sort out your finance is good to go yeah. or, or, or by the time you pick a caravan out so. or do a vin diesel style heist to get a fuel tanker yes. to then fuel the patrols v8 from actually that's a good question uh, before we move on, because we're nearly done with it, but what is the size of the fuel tank that comes with it? Yeah, uh, actually, if you had to guess. They put a bigger one in there. No. Oh. Is, it is it still 130 litres? 140. 140, okay. Yeah. So is that a tank and a sub-tank or just a main tank? Just a big tank. Yeah, right. Any room for a sub-tank with all the changes? No. So the um, one of the changes Premcar has made is it's redesigned the rear bumper so you can fit a full-size spare tyre underneath. Yeah. It's got bigger wheels and bigger off-road tyres and the tyre can be inflated. I know some people, when they put bigger wheels on their patrol, deflate the tyre to get it on the underbody mount and then they've got a compressor, but without going too far into the weeds, Premcar didn't want to do that. So. Theoretically, I'm sure if you wanted to, you could remove the spare tire at the back and, and fiddle around with that space, but no, as it stands. Okay, fair enough. All right, good to know. All right, well, let's uh, move on. We're doing a bit of a shorter podcast this week for reasons, but um, <laughs> let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Jade, I'll throw it to you. What's your pick this week? Okay, so I think you're going to like this. Um, and I didn't do it just because I think you're going to like it, but I thought it was pretty cool. So uh, Porsche have revealed a 911 GT3R Sport Limited Edition. That is catchy. Yes, uh, but it's also 1.6 million Australian dollars. I like that list. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so it uses the same 4.2 litre um, engine that the 911 GT3 race car uses. Um, but because it's not limited by FIA limitations, it actually uh, has a 40 kilowatt power increase. So it now has 455 kilowatts of power over the GT3 race car. Looks awesome. Um, I'm sure Sean will put a picture up of it if you're watching on our YouTube, but that is my pick of the week. It's like Problem a is... no rules race car. Yes. Yeah, like, but, but what is the point? Because like, I can go on the track day and beating a bunch of MX-5s. Why, <laughs> why would you buy that um, over buying they a $300,000? They did kind of, they, they did kind of say it's a collector's item yeah. um, and that's the exclusivity of the fact that it's a limited edition. Like, no, everyone is going to go out and buy it. I think it's going to be one of those things that you buy, you put in your garage and in 20, 30 years time it's going to be worth a lot more money. Um, Porsche it, is also in the midst of celebrating a big anniversary this year. I believe it's 75 years. So I think that's also part of it. There's a lot of these cars that's rolling out as kind of a happy birthday to me sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is another one that sort of draws on its racing heritage, but also has a modern design that's designed to fit in with those celebrations. Very cool. All right, Scott, what's your pick this week? I've gone the opposite direction to Jade. It's a video that went live a little while ago on CarWow, um, our friends in the UK, and it's the slowest drag race they could possibly do. <laughs> <laughs> it involved a Suzuki Jimny, among others, and I just thought it was really funny. So, um, yeah, if you've got about nine to 10 hours to watch a Suzuki <laughs> Jimny run down, not quite. Oh. Had a, uh, what's it called, a Citroen Amy? Yeah, Citroen Amy, their little uh, electric yes. oh, reversible yeah. thing that yes. rolled at Monaco it recently. Over, it yes. didn't roll, it fell over. Sorry, it toppled on its side. The leaning tower of Citroen. Yes. yes, it did a Nicholas Latifi uh, in Monaco there. <laughs> exactly. You definitely have to watch yeah, this video. Yeah, actually to be fair, I did watch that video. Um, That's good fun, it, isn't it? It's most of my morning to get through it, but it was very entertaining. So yes, definitely worth a watch. 
Uh, my one is actually sticking with Porsche. Um, Sotheby's are doing what's called, are selling what's called the white collection. It's 63 Porsches, all finished in some form of white. Um, this is bigger than the Beatles' white album, I'll be honest, and way cooler in my opinion. Uh, one of the cars is a 918 Spider. They reckon will go for about 3 million US. Wow. Um, the collection features everything from classic 911s uh, to modern GT3 RSs. Uh, they even have a... One of these in white. There you go, 930 um, Turbo. Yes, they have uh, 2.7 Carreras. They have a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and I just think that's very cool. It's probably hundreds of millions of dollars worth of Porsches. Um, 63, if, I mean, I know the 918 is going to be among the most expensive. If that's going for $3 million, you can extrapolate the maths on that. Yeah. It's going to be a seriously. Yeah. Have you guys? By the way, I passed a hat around earlier. Did you put some cash in there? <laughs> Not enough to get us anywhere near that. Oh, I think I actually have a little 911 on my desk. Oh, perfect. I will oh, donate so you're that. Set <laughs> yes, that will be my donation. Yeah, so very cool. The white collection, bigger than the Beatles white album. That's what I'm going to put that one out there. Um, Guys, uh, any final thoughts you want to leave us with this week? Yeah, we're coming up to Bathurst. I know we talked about this last week, but we're recording this the week before Bathurst, which is the biggest car race in Australia. So Bathurst was yesterday, so I, we're just going to run through. We're going to congratulate all 25 drivers <laughs> just so we can put the right one in there. Uh, I know you wanted Chas Mustard <laughs> to do well, so hooray or, uh, no, uh, uh, or that crash. Yeah. That's Shane Van Gisbergen. He really couldn't care less. He's pretty he's quick, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But it, it is a big week for motoring enthusiasts in Australia. So I hope... Race fans, you enjoyed the race. I hope you managed to commandeer the couch for the afternoon. And I hope the beers, wines, waters, whatever it was you were drinking, tasted good. And in addition to that, it is the 60th anniversary of the Bathurst 1000, which, uh, or the Great Race of Bathurst, which I think is really cool. There's a whole bunch of cars. So if you were at Bathurst and you happen to be listening to this or watching this after a big weekend of the mountain, um, let us know how it was. Leave us a comment. Uh, we'd love to know what your experience of the mountain was. Did you see Larry Perkins' 1993 winning uh, uh, Commodore there? That was the last of the Holden V8s to win Bathurst. So that's a really cool car. Uh, but yeah, that pretty much brings us to the end of this week, guys. Thank you for joining me. I uh, thank all of you for joining us. And remember, uh, leave, turn your lights on when you're driving in the rain. Please and thank you.